this is the fastest five days I think I've been a part of in a while. It's been very active, busy. I appreciate the different homes that were opened. I appreciate the good associations we've had. And man, a lot of memories. A lot of memories. Uh, Gary and I had some good visits about the old days when I was here in 77 as a really green preacher. Know most of you. I've had some new acquaintances. It's been a delight to get to know Chevelle. And uh, we had a great visit this afternoon. And uh, I can see his daddy in him. And he's got some great qualities. And I appreciate him videoing and putting this on the nets. And some good response from that. And uh, I pray uh, this week we've covered a lot of material in a short period of time. As I've mentioned, I normally present this material sometimes over a quarter. And I'm doing those in one lesson. So I'm giving foundations. I'm not here to solve all the problems, but I'm here to give a foundation from which you solve problems. If you start a local congregation, you need to know how to go about biblically to to establish authority. You need to know how you determine uh, what a local church should do, the scope of God's authority. We talked last night about how Satan divides brethren in a common pattern. Even you could use see it throughout history of how Satan can poison minds where doctrine doesn't matter anymore. Very common tool. And tonight we're going to kind of be building off last night and talking about a very, very challenging question. And basically is how do the apostles' words instruct us concerning doctrinal differences? And this, again, in one lesson is a bold effort, but I again hope to lay foundations. We'll have a question a session at the end of the study as well and uh, you'll find out what I know and a lot what I don't know <laughs> as we talk about a subject like this. This night I might, might have some questions I might not uh, have the answer that, uh, that I, uh, to everything obviously. We've been studying about authority and, and we've got to build this foundation. Brethren, this foundation has, has been neglected amongst churches. I'm very concerned in a very broad way of how many do not understand the foundations of giving authority for everything you teach and practice. Again, I'm not review I'm not going back over the Tuesday night lesson, but if I can find brethren that understand the power of God's word, the completeness of God's word, the the very approach that we take toward a perfect revelation and that we can be committed to only staying within what has been revealed, we can solve any problem. It's many times we don't have that foundation. In John 8, 28 and 29, we talk about Jesus' relationship to the Father and how He taught us how to have a relationship with the Father. It says, Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself, but as My Father taught Me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. I always do those things that please him. You will find the foundation of giving book, chapter, and verse for your practice. Giving book, chapter, and verse for your teaching. And if you can't do that in a positive way, don't do it. You'll find that as a solid foundation to glorify God, get your ideas out of the way, and you'll be able to, to, to serve God that way. This, this statement in, in John 8 is very similar to the address given to us. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. 1 Peter 4.11 And so, brethren, we must reason. We must 
have conflict at times where there are arguments and there is discernments and there are contradictions. Brethren, that's part of my personal Bible study. It's going to be part of working with brethren. And I want to tell you, if we love the Lord and we watch our hearts, we can work out questions. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, here we read about the, the power that God gives us. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. But the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So now, how do we reason? How do we deal with differences? We must. We must. Because I want to tell you, how you work with others in evangelism, how you work with your brethren, is going to have a lot to say on how you work out your own problems in your own mind. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to learn. There are views that you have that you probably may need change. And I'm sure it's a constant process of growth. Don't be afraid of that. And I pray that local churches can be a place where that can be encouraged. What God wants of us, and you know the verse, and by the way, some of these verses I'm going to fly through tonight because of time, but you're familiar with Matthew 23. Matthew 22:37, the greatest command. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I pray that local churches will be a place we're willing to open our hearts, open our mind, be humble, and learn, and more and more and, and better see the path that we should walk. Reasoning is not our enemy. And we build this again on the love of God. Again, just noting Ephesians 3, you can read this later, the context, but it talks about how that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you be rooted and grounded in love. God loves me. God loved me when I was a sinner. God loved me when I was an enemy. And God doesn't want me to continue to be a sinner, continue to be an enemy. But the love of God allows me to see the bad news about myself. The love of God allows me that when I sin and fall down to get back up. The love of God allows me that when I'm wrong to be humble enough to say, hey, what? I've been wrong and I've learned something I didn't know. I'm afraid sometimes that we can create an atmosphere in congregations and I don't believe brethren willingly teach this. I don't think this is taught. I've had some people say that they think local churches teach this, that you've got to be perfect. Well, no, that's my goal to be perfection. But if you're not perfect, there's something wrong with you. Well, there's something wrong with me then. My goal is perfection. I'm learning. And somehow, sometimes I think brethren get an element of pride and they're afraid to admit they've been wrong. And sometimes they may make a public statement about something and maybe later that's really not accurate. Would we have the humility to say, I have been wrong. The love of God allows us to be willing to say, you know, I've learned something new. New in the scriptures, not not that big, not not that the scriptures are getting you know, something beyond that, but I, I, I'm growing. How does doctrine affect our relationship with God and with Christians, brethren? We need discernment. Sometimes we quote some of these verses, and we probably not look at the context. We don't look at other areas. You know, sometimes I'm afraid we're very simplistic on how we work out problems either with reasoning with those in the world or reasoning amongst brethren. I will say this, 
doctrine can separate us from God. And in, when it does, it ought to separate us from our brethren. There are things that separate brethren. In 2 John 9, I'm going to develop this later. I'm just going to note it. The point I'm making here is doctrine can be a factor in us being pulled away from God in a separation amongst brethren. The Bible says, whoever transgresses, 2 John 9, whoever transgresseth and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ is both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. We're going to develop this more. But right now, for the person who says doctrine doesn't matter, I'm going to say, oh yes, it does. Now we need to understand this verse. Sometimes I think this verse is taken without serious consideration and applying in situations that ought not be. But we need to understand that doctrine can affect our relationship with God. And I'll tell you one thing I want. I want to go to heaven. And in my teaching, more so than you liking me or liking somebody else, I want you to know God and be right with God. That's number one. And this verse talks about our relationship with God can be affected by doctrine. Of course, the Gnostics, not believing that Jesus came in the flesh, and then there's a whole series of other doctrines that followed. But let's go back to the foundation. Doctrine. How do we go about agreeing on doctrine? I've already mentioned this week, doctrinal differences are common in churches. We talk about Jew and Gentile Monday night. All kinds of doctrinal problems. And when they thought they had it solved, another generation come up and the same problem came up again. So I am not naive when I'm dealing with, 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 with congregations or my brethren in general, and I'll quote Irvin Lee one more time. Brother Lee was asked the question, what did your brethren believe about this subject? And he says, my brethren take both sides of almost any question you want to ask. And so, yes, our goal is perfection, but I am not alarmed per se because we have disagreements. I mean, there again, there's a lot to think about. But here's one thing I want, foundationally. Foundationally, we want to be conformed to God's will. We don't want to ignore differences. 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets of God entered to the world. One of the characteristics of God's people is we want to learn. We want to see. Our eyes are open. It's not like the spirit of the world found in John 3, 19-21, where people of the world, they don't want their deeds to be seen. They don't want the light. We are people of the light. But now notice in this context... How do you know the people of light? Again, this is simplistic, but it's a foundational principle as I'm working with people and working with my brethren. If we cannot open our Bible and talk about it, we've got a foundational problem that is so serious that I don't know how we can work together. Remember 1 John 4, 1, test the spirits. Now notice verse 5 and 6. I start looking at foundations when I'm working with people. Now notice, it says, They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. There's a worldly philosophy. Not only in the world, it can be in the church. Now notice, well, I don't want to be that. Verse 6. We are of God. And I believe that we in this context are the apostles. John and, and others. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He was not of God, 
does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Chevelle and I had some good discussions tonight about the background. And I can remember as a new Christian trying to study some questions with those who baptized me into Christ. You know what I found out? They didn't want to study. I had people that that I was trying to defend running from me. And it made me realize real quick that there's something foundationally wrong. I was trying to get studies and studies with brethren that differed. And there are some people go, no moss, no moss, oh no, I don't want to do that. There's something wrong when we can't hear the apostles. And that's really one of the most distinctive things about churches of Christ, as I would use the term of those following Christ. We are willing to open our Bibles. And so, again, we talked about earlier this week, over and over, that it's the apostles, the foundation of apostles and prophets that local churches exist. In the very beginning, when 3,000 were baptized in verse 41, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Brethren, let us never be afraid to study the whole counsel of God. One of the things that is killing churches is that we're so afraid of division that we don't deal with our problems. We're so afraid of division that we don't deal with doctrinal issues. And I'm talking about dealing with it kindly, wisely, carefully. We'll be talking about that. But, you know, sometimes what a person has said about fear, fear is very creative. It oftentimes gives you the very thing that you fear. If you're afraid of division because we study some issue, whether it be from the pulpit or whether it be in classes, if you're afraid of division for that, you know, let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get division. It may be put down the road a little bit, but you're going to get it. Amen. And as a shepherd, where I'm at now, I said, you know, there are problems. Oh, doctor, problems. Sometimes we face. I've spent sometimes 40 hours, 50 hours working with brethren on things, but we had to face it, and we have been able to work out problems. The worst thing that it could have done is run from it. And it's difficult, but it's challenging, but it's God's way. The Gnostics, when First John, they were seeking to draw away brethren. And again, quickly, just quickly, I think this audience would understand this point, but over and over as you go through the book of Revelation, the seven churches of Asia, the Lord Himself was telling churches, you haven't dealt with doctrinal issues among you. And that I, I'm taking that seriously. There are things I hate you're tolerating, and I, you, your candlestick could be removed. <laughs> Notice Revelation 2.2. 2. And here's a good church. They were testing doctrine. They had another weakness we'll talk about in a minute. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. Here the, the church there was commended for that. Here then another church. Listen to this. Here the Lord speaking. But I have it, Revelation 2.14. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam. And it goes on and describes it. The Lord said, you are ignoring teaching. You can't do that. They were doing it, but the Lord rebuked them very strongly for it. Uh, later in verse 15. It was not just that doctrine. There was another doctrine, another group that was allowed to exist within the congregation. He says, Thus you also have those who hold to the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent or else. <laughs> and when the Lord says repent or else, you know, and so again, 
Brethren, I want to talk about, on the other hand, how we work with doctrinal differences and some differences as soon as we go, but don't take the position. We're just going to let things go. Don't take the position. We're just going to be worried about the plan of salvation and we got that right and nothing else matters. Don't do that. The Lord will hold us accountable. And again, there's more. Revelation 2. I'll let you notice these verses. Now let me say another thing, brethren. Discerning doctrine is really important. But let me tell you another thing. Loving the Lord and loving your brethren. Remember Ephesus, Revelation 2.2? They correctly discerned false teaching. But you know what? They had another problem. Their problem... Sermon wasn't their problem. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left your first love. And so as we talk about building Christians, I don't want Christians to constantly be in a crisis. I don't want us to constantly try to do just to, just to talk about doctrine and why people have reasoned incorrectly. That's part of it. But what we need is the whole counsel of God and we need to see the love of God and the character of God and how we work together in our homes and how we work with our children and how we work with our brethren. There is so many things we can't just do one and not the other. And as I say this, this is a huge challenge to all of us. I pray every day for discernment. But this is really important. You know, at Corinth, they had an element that had this view that, you know, we are brethren and, you know, I don't know exactly how they expressed it, but we don't have to worry about doctrine. We can just let anybody be in the pulpit and be in Bible classes and, you know, we're just all, everybody's okay. But now notice in the context, the problems, the doctrine in this context. 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. He says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. I wish I could do the series on the, on the knowledge of God, the character of God. God is jealous. And that's a beautiful term when you understand it. It's a zealous love for us. God will not share us. Do you know what happens when there are certain doctrines taught and we ignore it? It's considered spiritual adultery. Notice, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, you talk about immorality in the home. You talk about a marriage where your mate is unfaithful to you. The hurt of that. The, the extreme nature of that. And here God is saying that is going to be true with me and you when you ignore doctrine. Notice, For I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceive thee by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now look at verse 4. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And this wasn't good. And you see, again, I don't like conflict. I don't think we have to have ugly conflict when we talk about doctrine. We have to learn how to talk with one another. We need to learn how to study the Bible. We need to learn to work through problems. One of the reasons why a lot of brethren don't work through doctrinal problems is because they don't know how to study the Bible. And you know, you get involved in evangelism and some other things, that's a real good way of learning how to handle the Scripture. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, you end up now, and this is what's happening in the progressive movement, 
by the way, I know you've got some churches locally, uh, you know, that were here years ago. They've, this progressive movement is taking churches of Christ by a large majority. And it's a movement that says not only do we have to have a Bible authority for our practices, they're now introducing instrumental music. They're now accepting uh, those who are, uh, anyway, there's so many other things. It's just like all the denominations are the same. We're a denomination amongst denominations. Again, if that's found in Scripture, if that's what I'm doing, I want to know. But it's almost an anti-reason approach. Some of the leaders of this movement, I talked with a brother the other day. There was the editor of Wineskins Magazine. And he says our movement as a whole has kind of just backed off of, of Scripture. Second Corinthians 11, they come preaching another Jesus. They accept another gospel. They accept it. Notice what Paul does. It's... So it's kind of some irony here, but he says, but you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. Your pride is a problem here. For you put it up with one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame, I say we're too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I'm bold also. Brethren, let us understand we need to deal with doctrine. Now, let me completely shift gears. You may say, Larry, you're about to contradict yourself. I don't think I am. On one hand, we're talking about dealing with doctrine and reason with doctrine. But now let's talk about some practical sides for how we work with one another. We do have doctrinal differences. My wife and I have some doctrinal differences. My daughter and I have some doctrinal differences. I have their doctrinal differences in every church I've been at part of. I have, if you could take myself from five years ago to today, I'd have doctrinal differences with myself. And so again, our goal is perfection. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. I believe we can do that, but I believe we do that as we strive toward perfection. Ephesians 4.14, here's the goal, and here's the reality. You've got people that are new in Christ. You have people who've been worldly and maybe now have come back or maybe still worldly. You've got people who are zealous and great Bible students. You've got some people that, let's say, maybe the gifts God's given them is limited and their reasoning ability is limited. Maybe their educational has, has been limited. And you've got people of all kinds, and here's reality. As Paul is describing what happens with Christians, he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You read of the context, you have weakness in the church. Your goal is to grow up into Him. But it takes time. We will always have this element in the church. Now one thing, if you've been in church a long time and you still don't know how to study the Bible with somebody... You're still kind of, you know, afraid of doctrinal differences because it's like somebody wanting to play chess with you and you don't even know the moves, you know. That's why a lot of people are afraid of Bible study. Amen. Well, you're part of the problem. Amen. We need to learn to grow. There's great blessings. And this is where in a congregation, every congregation has a leadership. Whether or not you have elders, you're still going to have people that you can, people are going to be looked up to. 
obviously among elderships, that's a critical element of eldership. One of the critical elements of elders is going through the problem areas and trying to resolve it, trying to help rather than work out. Oftentimes it's personal issues, sometimes it's doctrinal issues. But there's a maturity in learning how to work with people of differences. That's why you have in Galatians 6 that it's the spiritual that want to go to restore someone. One of the challenges of men's business meeting is that you've got people of all kinds of background trying to come in to solve a problem. That is really, really, really challenging. You know, some of the mistakes I've seen, and I can, I can tell you, I'm not going to give you specifics because I don't want to get in trouble back home, you know, but we've had some recent issues where there was some disagreement, and I think tempers kind of got going, and next thing you know, you're a false teacher. I do believe the Bible teaches about false teachers. I do believe there are, th- are people that come up in the church that are false teachers, they're ravenous wolves, they're false prophets, but my brethren... Please be very careful about saying that of another. Some people have the position, well, if you disagree with me, you're a false teacher. Okay, if that's your definition, then tell me what your definition is. And I say, okay, well, you know. But you see, I had an eldership once. They had big controversy over this. Who do you call a false teacher? And I was talking to the elders, and they said to me, what's your position on who's a false teacher? I said, tell you what you do. You tell me what the issue is. Tell me how the doctrine is. And what I'll do is rather than worry about what to call the person, I'm going to try to solve it. <laughs> I said some of these issues are big and others. You know, I, I, what happens when you label somebody a false teacher, you're almost saying, again, you may not mean it this way, but you're almost saying you're beyond hope, you're, you're, you're lost. Uh, you know, here we've got to solve this immediately. And we had one brother recently approach another brother. You're a false teacher, and if you don't change your view, I'm going to have to leave the congregation or you do. And the, the issue we were talking about there really didn't demand that. And so I'm saying, can we talk to one another and take some time and be patient we're, rather than going completely to the issue of heaven and hell and whether somebody is already lost? I'm just saying just from a common sense standpoint, whether you're talking about somebody who is lost in the community or you're talking to your brethren, let's not jump to what I would call language that maybe would anger rather than edify. Amen. And um, here's another one. Here's his problem. You know, sometimes we're dealing with doctrine and brethren sometimes jump to extremes. This movement within the progressive movement, they say doctrine doesn't matter. There was one brother uh, that wrote some articles a few years ago that, oh, we've got to get the, uh, to figure out the right religious code like we're playing some kind of game. And they had this position, you've got to divide on all issues or doctrinal issues do not matter. I don't believe either one. But do you believe, Larry? Well, let's talk about it. First off, I want to review again what we talked about last night. So many of our problems come from a poisoned heart. They come from bitterness and pride. They come from a lack of love. They come from an impatience. We should not be so quick to write one another off. In Hebrews 3.12, notice in this context, there are doctrinal issues, but there's also heart issues. (laughs) And just because somebody believes something they need to be taught out of, that doesn't necessarily mean their heart's wrong. Notice in this verse, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. If you look at the book of Hebrews, there were Hebrew Christians going back into Judaism. And this was a process. 
There was a weakening of the heart. I can't tell you all the aspects. There are several things as you look at these passages. Uh, probably issues of pride, issues of bitterness, issues of, of, of this, this relationships becoming more important than the Lord. There are doctrinal issues. There are heart issues. And obviously they go together. I'm not saying everybody of pure heart that's sincere is okay with God. I'm not saying that. But I want to tell you, it's wonderful if we can start with a sincere heart. A sincere heart you can talk to. A sincere heart you can work things out. Uh, what I generally see when it comes to why we can't work out doctrine is oftentimes, first off, we don't even understand that we may be dealing with somebody that doesn't know much. I'll never forget talking to Aubrey Ballou years ago. <coughs> When I tried to start studying the question of differences between brethren, you know what I tried to do? I tried to convert Aubrey Ballou. Now, those of you who know, who know Aubrey probably got yeah, some smiles there. But I was going to do that. I brought my tape recorder. I was going to talk with him. And I got mad. I'd go back and listen to those tapes. I'd get mad. But I'm still going to go back and talk to Aubrey. Later, I finally figured it out, took a stand, and I came back to Aubrey. I said, Brother, you made a mistake with me. You assumed that I knew more than I did. We would have done far better to start on common ground and take the time to work to the point of difference. And you know what? He listened to me. Came out with some outlines. And by the way, Wednesday night's outline, a lot of that came from Auburn. And he learned some things. But see, as we work together with doctoral issues, sometimes, man, somebody can't add. And we're trying to talk about calculus. And it, 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 sometimes it takes some time to work through things. I believe the Bible can be understood, but brethren, practically speaking, you get on the battlefield, whether you're trying to bring somebody to the Lord or you're trying to work with your brethren, it takes time. The heart issue is probably the one that gets us. Here are the Gnostics. You were, we're getting people angry. I, we talked about that last night, not reasoning. Notice First John 3.14. We know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Brethren, let's make sure we have a pure heart and the right motive toward our brethren when we talk about differences. Because what happens too many times? I will tell you, in my observation that most of our doctrinal divisions started with personal hurt. And sometimes then we find an issue to divide. And again, we, we've got to be very careful. This, this is the thing, like I said, that oftentimes gets Christians, is that we, 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 we lose our proper attitude toward one another. Look at 1 Timothy 6. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent the wholesome words... Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to Godliness. Now, here we go. Here's authority. Here's where we need to go. What's hindering us? Well, notice the next verse, few verses. He is proud. Talked about that last night. Knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gains from such withdraw yourself. Now, brethren, there's an approach that I can take where I want to work things out with you and there's an approach that I can take where I want to destroy you. And there's an approach that I can take where I want confusion so I can get my way. 
there's some kind of studies I don't want any part of. Because people are going to be playing games and doing tricks and they're, and even, you know, unjustly attacking character. There's a lot of, there's a right way to go about discussion. And I'll tell you what, there's some subjects the Bible doesn't reveal on. And, and again, he talks about wives' tales and other things. There's other things that the, the Apostle talks about that, that really we don't need to be talking about. Watch your heart, brethren. Here, if, if I haven't made it clear already. Doctrinal disagreement can be very emotional. I'll never forget, I had been studying with a young man that was involved in an institutional church, and we became really good friends in Abbeville. And I actually was given a chance to debate a subject. It was on the subject of, uh, was there one or three persons in the Godhead, the Jesus-only doctrine? And there was a group of brethren that believed that. And I was going to do a debate, and I took some of Aubrey's notes. <laughs> uh, you know, he debated that topic. But this is amongst brethren. And this institutional preacher was going with me. We were driving down the road, and I did my first affirmative. I wanted him to hear it. And there was silence. He says, Larry, that's some of the most ugly words I've ever heard. You don't want to do that. You know what? That cut my heart. I had a completely different approach. And you know, we we had this discussion over a six-week period, and there was a church that took a stand. But I'm so glad I talked to him. I was saying, anybody who can see through a ladder can see this. I used all those phrases, you know. And that was not wise. I've made a lot of mistakes, and I'm sure I'll make more. But what we need to do is says, let your sweets always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. Listen to this one, Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. I'll say it for the fifth time. Use your public, social media, and things like that very carefully. When you come in a pulpit, be very careful what you say. When you wait on the Lord's table or do other things, be careful. Brethren, it doesn't take just a word sometime to stir up anger. And I don't know about you, when I'm all fired up, I don't reason real well. By the way, my wife and I have a little agreement. We did it before we married. We called it a circuit breaker. It's not just brethren that get mad at each other, is it? But <laughs> and, uh, I remember there are times you've we, we got this rule that when you're very angry, we can say to the other. And of course, I know, here's how a topic works with me. I'm very blind to things I've done, and maybe it takes a while. I could kind of see a face, a look, a silence, and finally I go, "Honey, is something wrong?" <laughs> and then, uh, yes, there is. And I can't talk to you about it right now. You know, that's the circuit breaker. And I go, oh, no. <laughs> and so we have to wait. And then we talk. You know how we do that? She says, if I talked to you right then, I said a lot of things about you I wouldn't have meant. <laughs> Brethren, we need circuit breakers. We need some wisdom. And we start seeing the anger build up on each side. Could we do that? Till we calm down so we talk to one another? Um, we're talking about maturity. 
Imagine Romans 14. Again, we go back to the Jew and Gentile difference. And again, I'm just noticed this. But notice here, there were doctrinal differences. Now, these doctrinal differences, both choices in this context were right. There was no sin involved. But even with doctrinal differences like this, look at the struggle of our attitudes. Receive one another who is weak in the faith, but not the disputes over doubtful things. Notice disputes. And he goes on and talks about this person God has received. Look at verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Look at the attitude. Huh. Ignorant person. Look at this person. They're, they're, they're just so weak. Well, they're, you know, and another one. Why do you show contempt for your brother? But we should all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We don't need to be there as we talk about differences. Look at Romans 15.1. The one who has more knowledge versus the one who doesn't. We then are who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Oh my. Just flip the outline here. <laughs> uh, we'll see how much we get covered here tonight. We might have to go into the question time a little bit. I'm sorry. Now, a few things. I think we can cover these fairly quick here, these next points. Okay, we've got differences. Not all differences are the same. There's some differences that involve sin. There's some differences that really there's no sin involved. So here's some things to consider. And we're, I've, I've framed this in decisions made in a local congregation. When you make a decision in a local congregation, things we do through the treasury, things we do in worship, it involves everybody. Now you think about that. It involves everybody. People with various levels of understanding, people with different consciences. And when you are dealing with things like that, it involves a fellowship that we need to be careful about. In Philippians 4, again, I'm going to just move through these verses. We talked about this earlier. When Paul was thwarted by churches, this was described as a fellowship, a sharing. Some translation says, No church had fellowship with me concerning giving or receiving, but you only, who we choose to support. Uh, uh, those things, those are decisions for everybody. And everybody's a part of that. If you don't have elders, here it ends up being a fruit that abounds to your account. Now, here's the verse I want to come back to you. Second John 9. Brethren, if I have a doctrine of disagreement with you, does it mean that if we don't quickly work out our difference, I can't eat with you? I can't talk to you. I can't bring you to my home. Brethren, in the context here, again, we, we have the doctrine of Christ, and I would say that's everything Christ taught. I would say that would include the entirety of what Christ taught. But at the same time, as I look at this context, there are a couple of things to look at. How do you get in a position where you can become guilty of false teaching. What is being said and why is it being said? Notice there are those who teach things beyond the doctrine of Christ. But then there are those who can have an improper relationship. Verse 10, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. What is this talking about? I believe this is talking about the idea of one actively supporting the teaching. I don't believe it's just shaking a hand or say, Brother, how are you doing today? I don't believe it's a matter of them just coming into my house. Let me show you the idea of being brought into your house. Amen. The idea here, if you go to 3 John, and by the way, this is not in the outline. By the way, I, this is something I put in today. So it's not in your outline. It's in the PowerPoint. Notice the receiving into the house. <laughs> 
Here the idea, I believe in this context, certainly from 3 John, is there's somebody coming into town. They're coming into town, let's say, to preach in 2 John 9, and you let them stay in your house like some of you have done with me this week. If I was teaching false doctrine and you had me in your house and spend the night, uh, that's a problem. You are supporting me in that. It's not just any coming into the house. In 3 John 5, it says, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers, you who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well. Now notice, because they went forth for His name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such. Why? That we may become fellow workers for the truth. If I supported you financially, preaching, I have partaking of that. We're having fellowship. If I have you into my house to support your preaching, I'm having fellowship with that. If I'm bidding you Godspeed, brother, you're doing a great work and you're teaching error, then I'm having fellowship with you in that. Now again, you say, well, does every doctrinal difference fall into this? No, it doesn't. Here we have Gnostics in this case, but I know there's more to talk about, and we're probably not going to be able to cover everything tonight. But we talk about public things. What we do together, we need to understand and agree. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about singing with the understanding, praying with the understanding, uh, being able to say amen. Here, here I believe we're telling you, with the assembly of brethren coming together. Amen. If we bring, let's say we bring an instrument of music in here. Guess what? Watch your choice when singing begins. You can sing with the instrument or you can refuse to sing. Well, we're supposed to sing, and so you, you don't have a good choice. You're going to, you're going to sin either way. If, if in my understanding of instrumental music, some of you may not have that view, but I believe instrumental music is not authorized. What if we take the money and let's say support a Gnostic preacher? You, you either are going to give and be a fellowship in that, or you've got to refuse to give. Well, you need to give. And so again, as we talk about, there are some things that we all are part of, and we need to make sure it's right. Things of personal opinion are different. In this case, there's no sinful choice. And again, again, we don't have time to cover all, all aspects of this. We want to show love as we work with one another to put on love. James 3.17 In matters that are allowable, whether or not we have carpet or not carpet, whether or not we support this preacher who's faithful or this preacher who's faithful. When the choices are all okay, they're not sinful, we need to be very humble. First off, now notice here, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's got to be right. We cannot have fellowship with sin. But then it goes on, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, of good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Watch your hearts. I don't want to force someone to be a participant in that he believes is wrong. Okay, that last section, a lot, of, a lot here. And I may be repeating myself in some of this. As a review... Resolving doctrinal differences is a vital part of unity. I think we've established that. And uh, I'm just going to go to one, one more point here in this, in this outline, Ephesians 4. We're going to talk about anger again. Don't, my brethren, lose control of your heart in working with brethren or working with things that have happened to you. We need to learn how to let the sun go down on our wrath. We need to learn how to 
uh, take personal vengeance and put it out of our lives. It will destroy us if we don't. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Now, B point. I've already made this point, but I really want to make this point. Bottom line. Do not compromise your fellowship with God. The big problems we're facing today in terms of false teaching is the idea that really, you know, some people put it this way, that there's continual cleansing, and once you're baptized into Christ, then no, no other doctrine matters. And that, you know, you, you just, all you got to do is make sure somebody's baptized and nothing else matters. That's the kind of thing that you found in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah 23:14. he says, Also I've seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery and walk in lies and strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me and their inhabitants are like Gomorrah. There are way too many churches today. They won't teach on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. They won't teach on moral issues. They won't teach on doctrinal issues. They'll just end up just saying that we're all brethren. And they'll end up upholding the hand of wicked people and people who, who, whose heart could be reached. And they need to told they need to repent. People say, that's negative preaching. We can't have it. You'll destroy the people. Verse 17 Here's these people that love and grace and everybody's okay. Here's what the Lord thinks of them. They continually say to those who despise me. And I want to tell you something. When God tells us right and wrong and we despise it, the Lord knows that. The Lord has says, and here, here's what these people are saying to people who despise the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me. This is God speaking. And here's the words of the false prophets. The Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. My brethren, let that not be us. Amen. I want my children to go to heaven. And my children learn. I love them. I've made mistakes. But they start walking down a path of a practice of sin and evil. I'm going to tell them, even if it hurts them, because I want them to go to heaven. We need more men of backbone and courage. Amen. Amen. And again, you may say we may divide and we may need to divide. There's a few churches I've come to that were having conflict and turmoil. And one of the things I try to do within the ability that I had for us to face our problems, and you know what happens when you haven't been facing problems, you start facing problems, I will tell you now, there will be people who leave. But I want to tell you what, we, we do what's right. This can happen, and, and it's not that we've done wrong. First John 2, 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. And the idea of us is not having that spirit of truth, of, of the spirit of truth, spirit of error. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. I like how it's put in 1 Corinthians 11:18. For first of all, when you come together to church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you. Amen. That those who are approved might be recognized among you. Let me tell you something as a leadership within the pulpit where you're going to address the entire counsel of God. People, you know, there are going to be some people test you. 
They're going to try to intimidate you. They're going to try to fuss about it. They'll finally figure out that, you know what, we're going to do this. And it really helps. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some people leave, but there's going to be a lot of people come and say, we're going to learn the Bible here. We're going to be challenged here. And you're beginning to see in this culture a lot of things happening. But I tell you down in Auburn, we get all kinds of people come to us from all kinds of backgrounds because we're teaching the Bible. Right. And they respect that. That's, that's really critical. It's really critical. You know what about these grace and love people? Grace and love and mercy. And then you say, look, I think we've got a problem. Could we study the Bible? Woo, that grace and love disappears with some. Jeremiah 18, 18. Well, here Jeremiah won't talk to him. What about all this grace and love to everybody else? What about Jeremiah? Then they said, come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. For the law should not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise. Now, Jeremiah thought God said it's going to happen. And no, oh no, no, everybody's okay. Jeremiah just no hard head. No word from the prophet. Come, let us attack him with the tongue. And let us not give heed to any of his words. I don't want to be those people. And sometimes, brethren, when you have the courage to stand up, it can be lonely. Satan and worldliness and compromise and fearful people. Sometimes will peel from you, and I remember David Hartzell talking about this once. You try to deal with the issue, and you think people are going to stand, and you stand up and make a statement, and suddenly you're there by yourself. There are brethren sitting on their hands, their eyes bugging out. It's like shoot out at the OK corral with the wind blowing through your hair, and and there you are by yourself. We want to teach the whole counsel of God, and. I mentioned last night I was going to talk about this verse. Let's talk about it here. <coughs> you know one thing I've tried to do in my life? I, I've made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot I still have to learn, but I've been so thankful of who I made friends with, of who I married. David's mind is not with him now as it once was, but David Hartzell was a close friend of mine over the years. I've got some good friends now. My wife is my best friend. My wife tells me when I need to hear things, I will share you about that. And you know, you one thing I've seen that's destroyed Christians, you can get with people who sit in the pew and they murmur and they fuss. Sermon's gone too long. Negative preaching. Oh, that's just that guy's opinion. And you know, and you get people mad. And you, you get around scoffers. You know, there's a lot. You talk about debate. There's some people, rather than debate you, they scoff. Psalms 1-1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. One of the things I want to tell you, you watch who are your best friends. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. I don't want to be with people that show disrespect. And by the way, brethren, show respect to those you disagree with. Don't have performances in the auditorium. I remember the congregation, again, with some of this movement, congregation North Alabama lost about 80% of its members in the last two years. Over some of these doctrines coming in, then this respect being shown, there were some ladies that were openly doing like this when the preacher was preaching, doing like this and fussing. And I know some of them. Some of those students came in with us all. We tried to work with them. And I can tell you where these people ended up. You don't want to get in the scornful. You don't want to show disrespect for others. Be careful. 
I like what the thief on the cross said to the other thief. You watch your tongue. You don't be quick. By the way, we're dealing with political figures, the past president or the present president. I don't care who we're talking about. Watch your tongue. I love how he put it. Do you not even fear God? Seeing you're under the same condemnation, I want to tell you something about saying things. We, the angels will not have a rallying word against the devil. And we better watch our tongues. Sometimes, as the old song is, that fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And one other thing, brethren, you may say here, okay, i got to fix everything in the congregation. No, you don't. Sometimes we almost want to put our place in the place of God. I know we want to solve our problems. I say, you say, well, elder, you say, you're the elder, you're going to solve problems. But you know, I, I'm going to take advantage of the doors that I have open. I'm going to, there's some things where I teach and I give people time. And I'm not talking about where they're bringing people into sin. Where some, I'm not talking about those, but many of our issues, we can give people some time to grow. They don't go from addition to calculus overnight. I'm not in God's place. And another thing, when I talk about wanting to not have it deep with somebody, I'm going to tell you something. Before you do that, could I suggest to you to use Matthew 18 or other verses? Before you get to the point where you say you can't eat with a person, you need to have charges. You need to have charges that are understandable. You need to have charges that can be proven to people from or from outside that don't know about it. Amen. Preach the truth. There is a place where you finally give up on a brother. But take time to look at this. Well, we, we had this happen when I was in, in Auburn. There's one brother just in a business meeting. My wife and I have withdrawn from so-and-so. And I remember everybody goes, oh, you know, what do we do? And, and I ended up chairing the meeting. I just spent, basically read this verse, explained it. And I said, okay, what you know, you got evidence. You can go to this person. Others can come in. And I said, does anybody have a better way of dealing with the problem than this? There was silence. I said, does everybody agree this is how we're going to do it? Everybody agreed, and Kermit's brother just said that. I said, okay, we can end the business meeting now. <laughs> but it's interesting sometimes where, you know, we, we try want to jump ahead of that process. We can't do that. Don't. I, I, I'm repeating myself. <coughs> respect. Respect others. Especially respect your brethren. There are those described in Second Peter 2 that were false teachers. It says they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Finally, brethren, let's pray for those who hurt us that we may have the right attitude. Brethren, I know all of you probably has some very difficult things you've dealt with in the last year or two. That happens in churches. And sometimes when we're hurt, as I talked about last night, we may not always see ourselves. Hurt takes time. There are things brethren do they ought not to do. But could I say you'll never regret working on your heart Working on your attitude, taking Romans 12, 21-23, memorize that. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with the good. You know, laying aside vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> and also looking at Matthew 5, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. 
Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Unlike most of the time I preach lessons like this, we don't have question and answer sessions. We're going to have that in just a minute. And as I said, there's a lot of questions we could raise. But let's draw the conclusion. Let us ask God's help. Let us be long-suffering and forgiving. And what we want somehow to have wisdom to properly execute this verse. Jude 22. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. May God help us as we try to apply these great truths. And now, questions. I could just stop right here. You think I know everything. <laughs> no, we're going to find out on something like this. Uh, there, there's a lot of things, a lot, a lot of things to work through. So, okay. I remember years ago, I think it was Brother Harold that wrote some articles along these lines and created a lot of controversy. There's some things I disagreed with his articles. It's sometimes like, uh, like people used to say about um, dealing with uh, Social Security in the political realm. They called it the third rail. That sometimes there are so many possible misunderstandings that. Uh, it can create a lot of heat and emotion. But let, let's, let's, let's get any questions we have on this, this topic or any, any questions you might have on what we've talked about in, in the series. In, in working, like one thing you've addressed over and over again yes. throughout the week is this idea of you know, open-mindedness or studying together. Yeah. How do you, and you're probably going to answer with discernment, but yeah. uh, maybe you'll be more specific. But how Probably you, not, but go ahead. <laughs> how, I mean, how do you weigh that against uh, false teaching? And, and, and should that be done in a public manner versus in a private manner? Because what I, I mean, it's like you're going to end up somebody preaching something that they believe and somebody else preaching yeah. something that they believe, and it's like, well, what? You know, there's, there's so many scenarios here. So let's just talk. One thing I try to do. Again, again, in most circumstances, is I hope I've got some time to talk to that person. I think it's Proverbs 18.13 is where I want to go. better put my glasses on tonight before I do this. Okay. Proverbs 18.13 is a verse that comes to mind. Um, if you really want to help somebody, I'm telling you, if, you, if you're able to do this, listen. Really listen. Sometimes we think a brother believes something and we haven't listened. The Bible says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. And so one thing that really helps, you know what happens when I listen? Of course, my wife talks to me about this too. Sometimes I'm i got to put the computer screen down because she's talking and kind of, are you listening? So, anyway, even though we're not disagreeing, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying something. Yeah. You know, we're not listening, but, but what happens when you've got a disagreement and somebody listens and asks questions and not jumps on you but really listens? What does that do for you? It starts to build a little trust, doesn't it? Builds a little confidence. And you know, one thing i found that when I listen, sometimes... 
There are things that as an elder, I pray that brethren will communicate. Because that's just critical. Sometimes there are things we don't know, and suddenly they'll come and talk to us and like, whoa, I'm not seeing this and understand this, here's some things. And then we can help. But guess what? If you haven't listened and you're not really knowing what a person is saying, what chance can you have of working out anything? You're likely going to get a lot of heat and heat and lightning and not much discernment. Now, another thing depends on the circumstances. Somebody getting up publicly preaching, that's public. That is before a group. And one of the things that I've occasionally had to do as an elder is stand up after a lesson and respond. I hate doing that. But I have to do that. Because that's in a public setting. And so I say with those preaching, be very careful. If it's in other settings, like I say, you may have some more leeway time. Even I'll give you an example. You may not agree with me on this issue. But, you know, I believe that when it comes to showing approval like it's been done tonight, say amen, that's biblical. <coughs> there, there are many people today, they like to applaud. I have problems with that from several standpoints. I, I think we have authority in Scripture to say amen. I think applause could mean various things. And so the congregation I'm at, I try to urge people, let's, let's do this. This is solid. There was a brother got up one time and talked about how we should applaud at the baptism and us other things. And I got up very kindly and gently, thanked him for the lesson, thanked him for his work, thanked him for good points. I said, but I want everybody to consider in Scripture, here are ways we can show approval. Can we do it this way? I didn't, I didn't rebuke him of committing sin or anything like that. But these, these were some things I wanted to communicate to the congregation. He still got mad at me. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, you know, but it, it's, there have been a few other times I clarified things, and it's stressful. That, that's tough. So, but I'm saying as we speak, make sure you're speaking exclamation points and not question marks. Public preaching is not necessarily the time for us to throw all of our questions out, okay? So, that, that's some wisdom here. And I haven't always done well with that. But I, I, I've learned from that. Okay. Again, you want to follow up? Because I, I might have gone off a beaten path. No, I mean, that's what, that was one of my questions. If it's, if it's, just because you don't want to... I mean, I don't want to see for myself or, or my brethren or my kids or anything. It's like I want to see and expect a united front yeah. on yeah. what's being taught. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, if you've got all... You know, I've heard several... You know, one elder believes this or that. You know, talking about a congregation in another part of the country. Yeah. But you know, and it's like you, it's confusing. You know, yeah. how can you have a, this ununited front or the preacher preaching something but that you know it, that the yeah? It depends on what we're talking about, though, because there, I'm gonna tell you what we do have different views. And there's a part I don't want my family to understand that yes, there are some different views. And like I, I hold some views on First Corinthians 11. That's probably the minority view of the congregation. I'm an elder and preacher. I'm the one I preach on it. I talk about some different views. I might talk about what I believe. And if somebody got up and viewed that and gave another view, that I, I'm not, not alarmed at that as long as it's done in a very fair-minded way. There are some issues like that. Like I talk about, uh, you know, the reason why I say that in that verse is that's a very challenging verse. Probably view I hope I don't know if anybody would agree with me on that here. But there, there, there are verses like that. And the reason why I say that, that's my weakness. But sometimes there are unique verses we have to study. There's some positions on the date of the book of Revelation. There's other things, you know. And so, again, not every doctrinal difference is the same. 
There's some judgment in the sermon. There we go. Sometimes we'll get there. Uh, so, uh, I mean, would you say that it maybe moral moral issues might carry It's It's hard to categorize them. For let me give you one. Let me give you one. I was talking to somebody. Maybe Chevelle and I was talking about that today because I heard this happening where Jeff is at in the in Columbus, um, uh, uh, Georgia. Get the Columbuses mixed up here. But there's some congregation that withdrew from a brother that joined the military. Well, you military, you might kill somebody. There's some some have had and I held that position for. I've had pastors position. I've changed some positions on that before. Well, if you go do this and you kill somebody committing murder, that's a moral issue. But why I look at on that question, I, I you know, do we withdraw from people become police officers or so on? You know, th- those are some questions to look at. Some congregations feel like they can do that. I, I look at that and I look at it a little different <laughs> than the thing marriage, divorce, remarriage. Somebody say, well, give me all the reasons why you do that. <laughs> Discernment. <laughs> there, 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 there are some things we judge in terms of, of issues. I, I wish I had the easy formula. Yeah, I was hoping you could produce them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say I think Kevin will. I think I, I just put that out there. So anyway, uh, but no, but th- these these are these are challenging subjects. And I, what I tell people is look at a case by case basis. Normally, when you're dealing with real people, real situations, and you get to talking and working, normally there's a way to work those things through. So again, I'm not totally consistent on this issue. On many issues, I'm trying to apply principles. Somebody say, Larry, you're inconsistent. I say, it may be. But I am trying to apply the principle. That's different from somebody who doesn't want to try it all. Yes? Just to clarify, it sounds like what you're saying is one of the things we can kind of look for is if someone's unwilling to sit down and talk about it and yeah. open up their Bibles, that's a pretty clear sign that yeah. they're, they're done. Yeah. And, and certainly I can see some points of wisdom where we kind of say, you know, give them some time maybe to right. work it out before right. we really talk about it in earnest. But Yes. And even after we talked about him, even Jezebel in Revelation 2 was given time by the Lord. <coughs> but there, there is a part of, you know, engaging, talking. Now, Kevin's got bad surprise. Now, here we go. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having fun with you, Kevin. I appreciate you, brother. Not a question, but a comment. Yes. Larry, I really believe that if brethren who disagree will apply the principles that you've taught tonight, they can work through yes. their differences. Yeah. yeah. We talked about that all week. And differences will come. And then let me tell you, I'm going to just give you another area here. I, t- I, t- I tell new converts this. I had one brother got real mad at me. I will tell new converts oftentimes before they're even out of dry from the baptistry, <laughs> I says, you know what? You're now in the family of God. And you got people that could love you and be with you and work with you. And also, I want you to know this, the people who are going to hurt you the most and the deepest will be your brethren. And that's really true in life. People who love us the most are those who are going to hurt us the most. And I'm trying to get people not to quit and not to get into bitterness and, and give up. And so, you, you know, I had one brother, you should tell them you convert that. I said, well, I, I think I did it okay, <laughs> you know. But, but that's, we, we have to work through issues and questions. And, you know, sometimes I've, you've heard the desert island illustration. You know, if you're on a desert island and this is the only group you got, 
you find a way to work together. Of course, unfortunately, I've heard that the illustration, well, there were four people trying to work together and they had a North Church of Christ, South Church of Christ, the East, and West. So, man, you know, I guess there, there's sometimes that, you know, there are, you know, illustrations there. But <coughs> I believe we can for heart's right. It's humbling. It's humbling. We had we had marriage divorce situation we worked through recently at Auburn. We we had a situation involving questions about embryos, dealing with some of the new technologies. <coughs> Sometimes I, I was at a place we had to deal with what I call archaeological dig, where we had to figure out what happened at a congregation seven years ago it was in an eldership process. Oh, you know, and that that was but, but you know. We love our brethren. We don't want to ignore questions. And we sometimes it takes time. But we can do it. We can do it. Yes. We touched on this briefly and we didn't really go into it, but in first uh, Corinthians fourteen thirty four. Yes, yes, yes. The issue there of women being silent in okay. the assembly. What, what is the practical application there? Yeah, let's talk about that quickly. And again, I'm going to give you a brief, brief answer. But, um, but this is one. Actually, I have an entire series that I've done. Like a lot of these things we've done, I've done a whole quarter on it. Uh, they had a quarter series on the, uh, the Assembly of the Saints. Let me give you a couple of things here that will help you. <laughs> Some of the times when we're studying a question, we, we don't define words. We don't look at the immediate context. Before we go to the Old Testament, before we go to other places, let's talk about the first context. And one of the things is define the word church. We did talk about that on Wednesday night, I think. In this context, church is the assembly. And I believe it's a specific kind of assembly. I believe it is the assembly described in verse 23. Uh, whoop, whoop, somehow jump to chapter 12 here. Okay, hold on. It's found in verse 23, where it describes the, um, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place. I believe this is the kind of assembly where the whole church comes together, the assembly we'd have Lord's Supper in, the assembly that we'd have the contribution in. I believe this is not dealing with just any gathering of Christians, but this particular gathering. Amen. Second thing Amen. is the silence. What is the silence here? Some people say, well, the woman couldn't sing. She couldn't talk to her baby. Couldn't tell her child to be quiet. Well, no. The silence here, if you go into the context, there are men to be silent. Amen. Notice here. Here is talking about let, verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak. Let the other judge. But if anything is revealed to another, he sits by. Let the first keep silent. That's the same word. What's the silence mean? It means you don't address the assembly. That's it. And when you get that down, what I would do, we have an assembly where the whole church comes together to do those things we do together, <laughs> then don't have a woman address that assembly. Now, maybe that's oversimplistic, but that's how I understand the verse. Now, some others say, well, you know, when it talks about the law also says, I think it's very similar to what you have in 1 Corinthians 11, where it's talking about subjection. And really, you don't have this repeated in the Old Testament. You don't. You don't have the assembly of the church occur until the church has been established. And so the exact meaning of the instructions 
or is found in the text, I believe going to the Old Testament gives you the idea of subjection that is taught and uh, how that was done, not done. There's a very interesting study of that. Of, well, how did you end up with women as a judge? You know, there's some great questions to talk about. But as far as the application of 1 Corinthians 14, I don't think I've got a problem with that. And there, there's certainly the role of women is a critical subject today in our culture. So, does that help? Yes, sir. Okay. Other questions? What would you say are things that help uh, to, I guess, promote an, an attitude of, if you want to call it a... I guess a safe place to learn. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that phrase. 